glad you could join us this morning on 10 Minutes in the Field. My name is David. Each one of us has been called to a field, whether it be a teenager, a father, a mother, a youth leader, or if you simply consider yourself a regular Christian, our field is the world we live in. For each one's field, the challenges are different, but the expectations are the same, to bring glory to God. This morning, I pray that you'll be encouraged as we look at the scriptures together. We're going to get into God's word this morning. Um, a passage was read today, Psalm 95. It's going to be the context of what we'll be looking at. But this passage has been repeated in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a very difficult book to understand, but there might be difficult sentences that you will see in there that may imply certain things. All I'm asking you to do is study a little bit further, okay? And know that Hebrews is not in isolation of itself, but it's in connection with the rest of the scriptures and the rest of the other principles, all right? There's a key word that's going to be repeated concerning God's rest, my rest, as speak from Psalm 95. What does it mean when it talks about this rest? You will not come into my rest, you will come into my rest. And so he keeps going back and forth. If you realize from Psalm 95, the very last, very last verse that we looked at there, in Psalm 95, the very last verse, was saying, Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my, my rest. Now Hebrews, in fact, alludes to that and he says, even though he promised the promised land, he's still saying they will not enter. And you know who he's talking about? The Jews who came out of Egypt. Because of their rebellion and their hearts, he says you will not enter. And most of them died in the desert. And so he uses that same picture in Hebrews to try and explain to the Hebrews, the Jews then, who are finding it very difficult to accept the gospel. They were holding on to the old Levitical system and they're finding it hard to accept who? Jesus Christ and the gospel. And he's simply saying, take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That is Hebrews chapter 3 in verse 12. Now, if you're to go back just a few verses, in verse 1, chapter 3, he uses a different word with the brethren. He adds another word to describe the brethren. What does he call it? Therefore, holy, holy brethren, you who share in a heavenly call, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. I've read a couple of commentaries here and there, and uh, they've noticed the, dis the distinction between the two brethren, one called holy brethren, the other in reference to brethren. And so he's writing to Hebrews, but also to Christians in some portions. But our attention is going to be between verse 12 and 13. And I'll read again. Take care, brethren. Let's be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Before we get into the scriptures, let me ask that you pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. And as we open your word, specifically the book of Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. We pray that, Lord, you will, uh, like a surgeon, just divide the intentions of our hearts and cause us to live in obedience to you. The Lord, whatever it is that may be hindering our spiritual lives, Lord, today may we find answers and not be like these that are described here with hardened hearts. Soften our hearts, Lord, to obedience, that men will see our good deeds and praise you who is in heaven. We commit our time together into your hands and we pray that you enlighten us and teach us 
this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. Our focus is going to be from verse 12, 13. 12 and 13. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my, my rest. And then comes verse 12. And he's giving a description of what happened in the desert. Picking it, quoting from the book of Psalm 95. But what I want to do here is see the command that he gives. And maybe lay emphasis in the command that he gives in verse 12. Of course he says, take care, brothers. Lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Leading you to fall away from the living God. And verse 12, but do what? I mean verse 13. But do what? Exalt one another. How often? Every day. As long as it's cold? Today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And of course, I'll start by saying that the need being addressed here is picked up from verse 7. In description of that group of people who over and over kept living in sin. They were living, they were stuck in a loop of repentance and sin. Say, God forgive us. He forgives them, provides for them, and they're back. It got really worse, according to me. But one of the most disgusting scenarios, I think, for me, was when God is giving them commandments, and he calls Moses up to the mountain, and Aaron himself stays with the people, and what do they decide? To make themselves another, another God. We're not talking about a different generation that never saw the miracles of God. That's why he says, they saw my works for 40 years. They saw everything I did. I mean, we are sitting here and we wish we could be able to see what God did for these people. Who walks on dry ground? Who walks on dry ground? I've never seen that happen. I've never seen, I've been to the criteria several times, I've never seen that happen. Splits. For you to take a walk, I can't even imagine how that looked like. It was a main miracle. They saw it. And now at the foot of the mountain, the very place where God is giving the commandments, guess who is in charge? Aaron. Leading the post. They want another God. They've demanded another God. Let's make a calf of gold. And they went ahead to use words like, this is our God who took us out of what? Of Egypt. Someone once said, I forget who, that God created man in his own image. And what did man do? He returned the favor and created God in his own what? In his own image. We fashioned our own goal to worship. How hard can one's heart get? And sometimes we look back and say, that cannot be me. That cannot be me. But if you look at these guys, just as soon as they come out of Egypt, Slowly by slowly they begin to complain. The very first incident when the Egyptians are coming to attack them, what do they tell Moses? Why didn't we die in Egypt? And they keep bringing that up before Moses. You should have left us to die. Where there are no graves. At some point they even begin to argue for cucumbers and watermelons. <laughs> they are equating slavery to watermelons and what? And cucumbers and onions. That's true. And onions. We left the onions behind. 
I'd rather die in slavery than... Okay, God provided manna from heaven and he tested this. He said, I'll test you. Okay, I love, now I'm getting off the script here. But I love that passage when he begins to give them manna. He says, I'm going to test them to see. And what does he test them with? He's not testing them with scarcity. I'm going to test them with what? With plenty. I've never seen that anywhere in scripture. Sometimes when we're in scarcity, when you're broke, you say, God is testing me. I want to endure this. We'll never consider God testing us in what? In plenty. He said, I want to test them to see their hearts. Because he gave instructions, he said, gather only enough for that, for that day. And I went ahead and gathered for the entire what? Week. It spoiled. He only gave them one exception towards the weekend because of the Sabbath. He said, I want to test them. Before you know what they're saying, is there no other food? This manna. Eh? Is there no other food? Do you see how their hearts are beginning to fall away from God? Starting with complaining. You don't see. Someone else is seeing it, but you don't. Someone else is wishing for that food. You're saying, this is food from heaven. I don't know if you've ever looked at the description of how this food tested. It was like cake baked in heaven. Can you imagine? Now, I'm describing a people here who eventually create a God with their own hands. We don't know how they got there. But slowly when you see the symptoms, they begin to fall away. They begin to fall away. The hardened heart may not turn hard in one day. It simply becomes harder and harder, insensitive to certain things. In fact, Romans put it this way. That, that they, though they knew God, one of the things described there is they were not thankful. They were not thankful. These people's hearts were hardened. Stuck in a loop. In deceitfulness of sin. Deceitfulness of sin. And he's simply saying in verse 13, but exalt one another. Why? Why? Is it important? And I want to talk about the subject here of accountability. Not to live alone. But to live in the account of another. Accountability is saying, I'm going to exalt another. I'm going to encourage one We're going to encourage one another to hold each other accountable. Exalt one another every day. I want to talk about accountability here and say, maybe this can be a solution. That was just the introduction to this topic of accountability. Maybe the reason we find accountability so difficult is because we look at it in isolation. Next time, we're going to look at the foundation of accountability. Have a good day and hope to see you next week. Bye-bye.